necessary for us, right, uh, people? And so, uh, thank you, Brother Roth. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. And let's pray for Pastor as he gets back uh, Tuesday night. Everything uh, runs smoothly. And, uh, and I know he'll appreciate your prayers. Joshua chapter 7, let's stand just for the reading of God's word and then we'll have a word of prayer. And then after that you may be seated. Joshua chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. Joshua chapter 7, 6 through 10. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwell on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Do you think God's worried about that? Huh? What will you do with your name? I can... God scratching his head say, I really didn't think about that. No, not our God. Then he says this, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? I want to preach tonight on that little three words, Get thee up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given to us uh, to come to your house. And Lord, we have so many people that are, are not doing well health-wise procedures. And Lord, uh, we have uh, three groups that are out into other countries. And Lord, help them, use them, that souls may be saved and Lord, we, we ask you that you'd bless us today, help the children's home that is out, protect them. And Lord, uh, we praise the Lord that we have the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Help our pastor as he gets ready to come back home and protect him on his way back. And Lord, that he'll arrive safely. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Fill us with thy spirit. Use us tonight. And Lord, help us to open our hearts uh, to, uh, that the word of God will penetrate. But not only that, 
we will leave this place determined to practice what God has told us to do. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. In your name we ask you, amen. You may be seated. Just a little background of this story. Joshua was born as a slave but became a great leader of Israel. He was considered a disciple of Moses. Can you imagine being a disciple of Moses? You know, I, I praise the Lord for the opportunity for me being a disciple of my own father, which was a great honor to me. Uh, but can you imagine being a disciple of Moses? And Moses chose him as one of the 12 to scout the land of Canaan. And we see that in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 14. And we know how the story ended. Ten of the ones that went came back with a negative report. But there were two men and uh, Joshua was one of those two that came and uh, he said this. He said, uh, there is land of milk and honey there. He was positive about the land. After Moses died, Joshua was appointed to lead Israel to Canaan. He was called and commissioned by the Lord to lead the people. If you'll turn just a few pages back into Joshua chapter 1, we'll see in verses 1 through 3 it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I uh, do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place, the Bible says, uh, uh, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said to Moses. Can you imagine? What a responsibility. And uh, then we come to Joshua. We, we see that Joshua had... Uh, quite a record uh, of victory after victory. I, I mean, uh, with Moses and uh, without Moses. And can you imagine when they arrive at the Jordan River, the people of Israel, as they arrived, some were, were probably saying, I, I wonder what Joshua is going to do now. Moses is not here. What's going to happen? Can you imagine that? It's just like Dr. Aiken stepping, uh, after, stepping in after Dr. Seitler and, and uh, having that responsibility. And I imagine that the people are probably saying, uh, you know, uh, I wonder what's going to happen now. I wonder if Joshua has what Moses has. 
Well, they came to the Jordan River. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 13, God said, As soon as the sole of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord touched the water of the rivers, it would open up. And so we see that it is exactly what happened. The, the sole of the feet of the priest touched the waters and the waters began to open up at the Jordan River. And I believe it was just like uh, uh, the sea. There was dry land and the people could cross over the Jordan River. Well... People start to like Joshua now. Huh? Well, Joshua has what Moses has. And all of a sudden, you see Joshua seeing one victory after another. Uh, but then we come to chapter 7. And Joshua sends some men uh, to look at the city of Ai. The men came back, and this is what they said. We don't need to send everyone there. If we just send a couple thousand there, we can knock out AI and we can take care of that city. And so uh, they went to the city and I'll tell you now, they got totally defeated. I mean, they were whooped in our days languaged. Now what Joshua did not know is that there was sin. The sin in the camp, the sin of Achan. And this sin was preventing the power of God to be upon the people. May I say this? Oh, we as a church should live a godly life. We should live a life that is uh, pleasing unto God because I sure would not want to be the one that would prevent the power of God to come into our church. That's why we need to live right. We need to act right. We need to talk right. Amen. Say amen right there. Yeah, we're in a we're we're in a a society today that Christians think they can just cuss and everything's all right. Oh no, brother, let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of you, he'll clean up everything he needs to clean up and you'll live a life that'll be satisfying unto God. Amen. Thank you. One. But that's what happened. You see, now Joshua is defeated. I mean, the Bible says that he lay down on the ground 
And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. And he, the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. Uh, can you just picture that? I mean, all that Joshua saw God do. One defeat. He's laying down on the ground, picking up dust. Don't that look like a, a little child? Have you ever seen a child that goes to the store and mama don't buy the toy he wants and he just puts himself on the ground and wiggles and wiggles, huh? Ain't that pretty childhood? That's what Joshua did. He fell on the ground and began to throw dust, him and the others, on themselves. Well, the Lord comes to Joshua. And says, Joshua, get thee up. You know, studying the word of God, I've often wondered how God said that. The Lord said that. Do you think the Lord said, get up? If it was me, I would, come on, man. Quit acting like a child and get up. No, the Lord came and says, get thee up. Well, further on on the message, we'll see that Joshua got up because God began to use him again. And we'll see that. But I want you to see, first of all, how did, God, how did Joshua get up? What, was, what made him get up? Uh, and what would help us to get up when we're discouraged before the Lord? First of all, he had to stop questioning God's character. Are you with me? Uh, you see, he said, O oh Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? Hey, we could have stayed on the other side and we would have been better on the other side. Why did you bring us over on this side? You know what he's doing? He's questioning the character of God. He's saying, God, all of this is your fault and we're in this situation because it's your fault. Mm. You know, sometimes something goes wrong in our life. And we say, God, why? You know, I see here that quickly Joshua forgets, forgets what God had done for him. You know, I, I, I can say this for myself. When a trouble comes, Brother Eshelman, in my life, we often forget what God has already done for us. 
We think about the, the, the bad things. Uh, Lord, why did you allow this? You know, look at some things that God had done for them. Sent Moses to get the people out of Egypt. Exodus 3, opened the Red Sea. Exodus 14, gave all the manna they needed when they were hungry. Gave water from the rock. Exodus 17, they crossed the river of Jordan. Joshua 3, gave them the victory in Jericho. Joshua 6, and now Joshua 7, he's saying, God, why did you do this? Now, don't look spiritual at me. You know we all do that. One little problem. Well, God, don't you love me? God, why did this happen? You see, for Joshua to get up, uh, folks, he needed to stop questioning God's character. Let me tell you something. God is God, and he's going to do whatever he thinks that is good for us, if it's good or if it's bad, and we ought not question him. Some of you don't know me yet, but I'm, I'm a little timid, and you can laugh at that, but when we went to Brazil, we wanted a child, and man, the Lord allowed us to have a child, and then on the third month my wife had a miscarriage we was at camp helping the young people being a blessing to the young people we had youth camps at our church uh, uh, there in Brazil we had over 250 300 young people and at camp my wife had a miscarriage I never forget that night and I'm just saying this because I'm human just as you are. I laid down and I said, God, I'm serving the Lord here in Brazil. Why did you do that? Well, that was the biggest mistake in my lifetime to question God. You know, I don't know your situation as a Christian. You know, I have, I have figured out sometimes we sit beside a person and we don't know the least of what they're going through. We don't know what they're going through. I, I, I don't know what they're going through. And, and sometimes uh, they're just quiet and, and they're down in the ground and need help. And I'm telling you today, if we want to get up from our situation, we need to stop questioning God's character. Secondly, he had to stop focusing on this one defeat. Look at verse 8. Oh Lord, what shall I say? When Israel turneth their backs 
before their enemies. You know what he's doing? He's focusing just on his defeat. Folks, may I say this? Sometimes we need to just get over it. Are you listening to me? I'm saying that in a kind way. Oh, Lord, what shall I say? Joshua had become problem conscience instead of power conscience. In spite of blessings and promises, he focused on one defeat. I never forget hearing Brother Robertson, pastor, say this, and he said this, life is not completely good and not completely bad. Life is a mixture of good and bad. But I am the one that chooses to complain or count the blessings. It's I. You know, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want people to look at Terrell Rose and say, you know, every time we get with Brother Rose, he, he complains. Ooh, please, Lord, help me never to complain. I said this Wednesday night, I, I believe it was Wednesday night, there was a little lady in our church and uh, she was sweet as, as, as honey and good as gold. But you never came to her and said, uh, how are you doing today? Oh boy, it was a big list. Oh, I had a headache this morning and, and I woke and when I woke up and then after lunch I just kind of got sniffles and started sneezing and it would just hear the whole list. And so as a pastor there in Brazil, uh, Brother Ashford, I just try to uh, figure a question that she couldn't answer me that way. So I'd go up to her and i say, Oh, this is a beautiful day, isn't it? And she couldn't say anything bad about it. She'd say, yes, sir, it is. You see, a lot of times we focus upon our defeat when we need to just thank God and believe God and he'll get us through that defeat. Think about the blessings God has given us. Look at the promises God had given to the future of Israel. He promised Abraham, and I will make of thee a great nation. He promised to Moses, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflicted affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard thy, their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows and I am come down to deliver them. Look at the promises God gave his people. And now they're focused on their defeat. How did Joshua get up? First, he 
had to stop questioning God's character. He had to focus, stop focusing on his defeat. And then thirdly, and I'll be done. He had to wor uh, stop worrying about public opinion. Look what he says here in, in verse 9. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? You know who he's worried about? He's worried about the Canaanites. I mean, what are they going to think about us? What, what's going to be your name, God, before the Canaanites? They're going to think bad about us. Hmm. Like I said before, God is not worried about his name. God is God. And Joshua's major concern was the honor of God's name. He feared that the enemy would soon wipe out Israel and ridicule God's name. They would call the name of the Lord weak, powerless, unable to save or deliver his people and to fulfill his promise to them. Uh, God's great name and his reputation uh, were at stake in Joshua's eyes. Therefore, above all else, Joshua begged God to protect his own name. May I say this? Don't be worried about satisfying everybody. Are you listening to me? If we worried about what God thinks of us, like we worry about what people think of us, we would probably be the greatest Christians in the world. May I say that again? Don't worry about satisfying everyone. If we worried about what God thinks of us, as much as we worry about what other thinks of us, we would be the best Christians in the world. Listen, I want to worry what God thinks about me. And when you do exactly what God wants you to do, I found this to be surprising. Some Christians are not going to like it. And then you decide if you're going to do what others think or what God thinks. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hey, young people, peer pressure. Peer pressure. 
Huh? That's what other young people like. They like the peer pressure. I, I mean, uh, they will say something they would never say in their lifetime or in front of their parents because of peer pressure. No. You worry about what God thinks of you. And you'll be able to get up. Well, Joshua got up. A pastor in Ohio watching his football team being beat by the adversary. And he was just sitting in the recliner, just calm, not saying a word. He's just sitting there as calm as could be. And his wife came in and said, what is wrong with you? Your team is losing. He said, in the norm, you'd be screaming out loud and, 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 and telling these people how to play ball. Well, why are you so quiet? The man looked at his wife and said, Honey, this is a replay. I already know the final score. The second half of the game, my team turns the game around and starts winning, and we win the game. May I say something, Christians? I have read the last chapter. We are on the winning side. Are you with me? Oh, we are in a battle, but I know the final score. Joshua got up, led the people to many victories. If you would turn just as uh, soon as you can, Joshua chapter 24, verse 31. Look what it says there. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Ain't that something? You know why they did that? Because Joshua got up. Got up. And it says, In all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Ain't that something? Joshua got up. God continued using him until he died. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58, and I'm almost done, says this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to be unmovable. My brother, Mike, I had two brothers, y'all know Danny, Mike, my older brother. He was 6'1". Uh, the uh, porters remember that. Mike was 6'1", big, big guy, and strong as an ox. 
And he, he would love to go to mom's house, which we lived at 6 Cornell Court here, and a little bitty house, and it had a little hall there. And uh, he, he would always say, I'm going to make you a man. And I said, I'm already a man. You see, I, I'm really not in, Brother Eshelman, with wrestling and I think, I, sorry, I, I just think it's stupid. Why, why would people want to hurt themselves and think it's fun and think it's fun? I, can, I just can't understand that. So he would say, and he was real rough, and he'd say, stand on the other side of that hall. And I said, okay, I will. And he'd come and he'd like to hit shoulders with me. And every time when I was young, he'd just knock me down in the ground and he'd say, that'll make you a man. Whatever. One time he came home, he, he worked at Strosters and uh, he came home and he said, uh, I, I think I'm going to make a hot a hamburger. And I said, can you make me one? He said, uh, no, I'm not going to make you one. And I said, okay. Well, I, I went to the room and I was just real young and, and I was pouting. And uh, he came in the room and he said, Terrell, he said, I made you a hamburger. And guess what I said? I don't want it no more. He said, you're going to eat it. I said, no, I'm not. He said, you're going to eat it. I said, no, I'm not. And he grabbed my legs, preacher, and drug me all the way to the kitchen. I, now now y'all know how much I've suffered in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, and dragged me to the kitchen and opened my mouth and stuck a hamburger in my mouth. He said he wanted to make me tough. Well... I don't think he knew I was going to get as big as I am. So one day we met in the hall. And he said, let's do it. And I looked at him and I said, let's do it. And I went to one side of the hall and he went to the other side and we came and running at each other and he hit me and fell to the ground and I just looked at him. And he looked at me and said, we're not going to play this game no more. <laughs> you see, that's what the word unmovable things can hit you from every side and you will not move will not move the year 2007 we came home on furlough and I was I'll be honest with you I was so defeated I was ready to quit. I, I was ready to give up. 
on my missionary life. I was so defeated. But in May of 2008, we were in New York visiting my sister-in-law and on a Sunday we went to a fairly large church there and uh, when we went into the church, they didn't have benches. They had these, the what? Theater seats. And, and you know theater seats have arms on them. And I hate arms on chairs. They kill my sides. I can't get into them. So I went up to an usher and I said, sir, do you, do you have a seat for a real man? And he looked at me, Micaiah, from top to bottom and he said, yes, sir, I got the right seat for you. And he took me, but my wife and my son and my sister-in-law, a friend of hers, had to sit somewhere else, and I sit there. Remember, I was defeated. I was ready to throw in the towel. And I'm not saying this. I'm just trying to prove a point. And this preacher got up. And he preached on this same text. Not this message, but a similar message. And I was sitting over on the left, about where Brother Atwood is sitting, but it was humongous. It fit about 2,000, 3,000 people. And at the end, he would point like this. And he would say, you need to get up. And I'd scoot over a little bit. Maybe he's not, maybe my wife called him or something. But he kept doing it. He kept pointing this way. I don't know if he had a crooked arm or what, but he kept pointing this way right at me. And say, you need to get up. And folks, that morning, I said, God, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to let the devil get me down. You see, there may be some Christians here tonight. I don't know, but what you need to do is just get up. Stop questioning the character of God. Stop focusing on your defeat. Stop worrying about public opinion and just get up and say, God, I'm going to serve you. May I say this? I never dreamed that one day I'd be the assistant pastor at Tabernacle Baptist Church. I never dreamed of that. Never. 
I always thought that God was going to keep me in missions because it's so dear to my heart. But I never forget, Pastor came in my office one day and he said, Brother Terrell, and and you may not know this, but me and Pastor have been friends for years. Sometimes he would text me about three in the morning and say, are you awake? <laughs> because of the time there. And I'd see and I'd say, yes, sir. And we'd talk and talk. One day he came in my office and he said, Brother Terrell, do, do you know of anybody that could be an assistant pastor? Do you have a name or something? And I said, Pastor, I said, I'll think about it. I, I really don't know of anybody at this point. He said, okay, pray about it. So I said, yes, sir, if I have a name, I'll let you know. About two days later, he came and said, came in my office, closed the door and said, Brother Terrell, would you consider being the assistant pastor of Tabernacle? And I was like, gulp. Are you sure, preacher? Yes. Can I pray about it? Yes. So that was like a Thursday on Tuesday. I came to him and we had prayed, me and my wife. We had prayed and I said, I'd be glad to do that. You know, my wife, when I went in the house, the day that he asked me, I went to her and I said, honey, pastor asked me if I would like to be the assistant pastor of Tabernacle. She didn't tell me then, but later she said, the moment you told me, I had peace from God in my heart. What are you trying to say, preacher? If I hadn't have got up, if I had stayed down and said, I ain't going to do this anymore, there's no telling where I would be today. But God rose me up and continued using me. Folks, let's get up and serve the Lord. Father, Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given to us. Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, I am so undeserving. Oh, my. Sometimes I sit back and I just think it's a dream. But I'm so grateful that you've been so good to me. I'm so glad that that day when that preacher spoke out saying, get thee up. I did. I did. Lord, would you please help us? If there's anybody in this church that maybe they're defeated, discouraged, 
maybe because of health, because of family members not being saved. Lord, help them to get up and continue marching forward. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. In your precious and holy name, we ask you. With our heads bowed, some at the altar here will wait just a few minutes and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. God spoke to your heart. You can come.